Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the weekly podcast from the marketing minds of deconvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today, as always, is the ad doctor, Andrew Peak. We're here, episode number 36, recorded on the 26th, and we also have Jackie with us today. Hi, everyone. Glad to be back. Every episode with Jackie is a special one because we right. don't know how many more we're going to have for a little while. Yes. <laughs> so in the home stretch. <laughs> so exciting. Awesome. Yes. Well, we've got a lot of news and a good topic for this week. So let's let's hop right into story time and I'll kick off. I got an email from uh, one of the builders that we work with about a product called AdWorks with an X. Ooh. And just listen to this, guys. Uh, you get unlimited clicks to your website for only $35 a week using this amazing, amazing technology that, that AdWorks has. And I put a little screenshot in here for, for you guys to see in the show notes. But for, for $35 a week, they got in total da, 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 25 web visits. Oh my, more than a oh dollar per click with my <laughs> head math there. Uh-huh. Yeah. And 22 of those were from Google. Okay. Uh, three wow. were from social media. Oh. And so a couple of things. One, why would someone pay $35 a week for unlimited web traffic? Who do you think the, mm-hmm. like the home builder, marketer, uh, the, the VP of marketing, the director of marketing probably isn't the one doing this. Who do you think would be no. giving this a shot? Someone with a very low marketing yeah. budget, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The target. It, very true. Either a general real estate agent who's you know listing an inventory home for a builder, or maybe an individual sales rep if they're not a not a real estate mm-hmm. agent, mm-hmm. but someone who's trying to you know get maximum exposure, what they think will be maximum maximum exposure for the minimal amount of money. And just the way that this graph, and it just proves to me, we'll put a copy of this in the Market Proof Marketing Facebook group. The way you show data is so important because when you look at this graph, it looks like there's great momentum being built. Yeah. And you yeah, know, everything you, is trending okay. up and to the right. Uh, it looks like, man, well, then maybe next week I should get like 50. Mm-hmm. But it's not growth. It's just counting like the total amount over time. So oh, geez. <laughs> it looks like they went from getting six clicks in a day to 25 clicks in a day by the end of the week. But that just meant in total, they had 25 clicks. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Just... So if you do like a year long, it's going to look amazing. If you went January mm-hmm. forward, it'd be the Definitely. best exactly. graph ever. Wow. But just, you know, again, always buyer beware, ask good questions about anything new that that you're presented with. Because, mm-hmm. you know, some salespeople are great. And they when you think about it at the beginning, you're like, man, so I can get as many clicks as possible for only $35 a week. You know, if you're trying to push an inventory home at the end of the year, that may sound at base value like a good deal. But, you know, just do your homework. And if it sounds too good to be true, probably yeah. It's. yeah, It's like an opposite way. I was just thinking that's a, uh, if you sell by impression, so 5,000 mm-hmm. impressions, that's quote unlimited clicks as well, right? Yes. It's unlimited. Yes. It's unlimited. You know, it's it's great. It's, uh-huh. yeah, it's sneaky dogs. Sneaky, <laughs> exactly sneaky. Exactly right. And they're probably using Google Display too, right? So most of these, I would assume, or yeah. if it's Facebook, it's probably on the right-hand side for like two pennies a click, you know, something ridiculously inexpensive. So yeah, yeah. Those, for them, I guess. Those total <laughs> clicks though, they're, it's definitely enticing when you see that the bar get that high. Oh yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. enticing. I'll make some reports like that. No. <laughs> no <I will> not. <laughs> <laughs> I will not. 
<laughs> I'll do that. All right, Jackie, you're All right. up. Yay. I love story time. So hubby and I, it's amazing that when you're expecting your first child, how you start to reevaluate the things in your life. And one of those <laughs> is our car. It's it's oh, okay. It's funny. Um, my husband's prized 2009 CRV has suddenly, it's amazing. I, I've been telling him for the last year or two, you should, you should get a new car. Start looking into something a little bit. You should have you been know. more direct, Jackie. You should have said, this car does not match my style. That's right. Okay? This is a problem. But he, being the accountant, he's so realistic and, and just down to earth. He, you know, no car payment for two years. He's like, why would I do that? Why would I want, you know, an extra car payment? But suddenly you ha- you start, you're expecting a child and then he's, oh, it's time. We've, we've got to look into the safest car, uh, you know, and it's been very interesting going back and forth on a couple of these different brands and just the, the car website, looking at what's included. It's funny that, you know, the difference of searching for a car in your early 20s, how progressively that has changed. You, mm. You're not suddenly looking at, uh, you know, the, the least expensive, the you know monthly payment per se. You're looking at, okay, what can I get safety wise and the most your money that, you know, we end up finding that we'll pay more to have some of the luxury features in the mm-hmm. car now, whether, you know, and, and I'm speaking on the behalf of everyone who knows what winter is like up north. Um, you know, I don't heated, know. <laughs> I was going to say, Andrew, you're so lucky not, not to what suddenly be like, oh, heated during wheel. Like how, how nice <laughs> would that be? Or um, yeah. all wheel drive seems like it's oh. a must if you've got mountains that you're going to be driving around. Yes. You know? And mm-hmm. uh, just map different things like that, that you don't think initially, uh, oh, I don't really need that. But suddenly oh, that's not an optional. That is not an optional feature. That, Jackie. No. All weather mats are a must. That kids, is a must. Dogs. 100%. Anyway, yeah, it's like it is. French fry collection tray. Just, <laughs> mm-hmm. That's what it is. I'm Catch learning. Up. A lot of people have kids are giving us the heads up and the lowdown on what features are a must for when you even have kids. So it's uh, it's been really cool to, to kind of see how much that's changed since we got my car in 2014 and the features and different things that have, are included now. Now, are you going to just hit the buy button and buy your car online? Tesla. I will have to I no. I it's funny, you know, we're starting to get to that point where we're like, we're gonna have to start going out and looking, getting to the dealerships and test driving all these, you know, our top contenders. And are you excited about that? I am. I I tend to get a little intimidated by the process in person with car salesmen. I'll be totally Mm -hmm. honest intimidating when you get there and you're being followed. I usually don't like going alone because they could give me a price and I'd be like, okay, great. And then I, this whole bartering thing is such a new a new world for me. Yeah, I think it might actually prevent transactions versus like just the stigma of buying a car is not a happy experience for a lot yeah. of people. Like they're like, oh, I don't <laughs> want to do that. Oh, <laughs> Terrible. I just uh, I just did a quick Google search of the most hated job professions. Is yeah. that it? <laughs> Number four, used car salesman. He's fast uh, talking, lies, and does it all with a smile on his face. Yeah. There he wins go. your trust, <laughs> then sells you a heap of junk that falls apart as soon as you drive it off the yeah. lot. Perfect. Yeah. Fun, fun. Well, my uh, my quick story here. My wife sent me a screenshot of a Google Maps listing, and a company had emojis and like their Ooh. company name, like on the Google Map listing. So this was for uh, like a medical spa down this way in Tampa. So it was like this. The keyword search was Med Spa Tampa, and the, the top one there, they did have five out of five ratings. Mm-hmm. But in their name, I forgot the name. It was like Living Young. You know, something typical that a Med Spa would be Living Young <laughs> Med yeah. Spa. They had five star emojis like next to it. 
it. And I'm like, wow, that's that's mm. really crazy. I sent it to Kevin. I'm like, you ever seen this before? <laughs> Lindsay just sent this to me. Da, 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 da. And we were like, yeah, it's pretty tacky. Yeah. It's a little aggressive. And it's it's definitely, I cannot imagine that it fits the term of service, especially more so because it shows, it looks like that's the five out of five, like star rating more than and, like. And the more that I thought emotions. about it after you showed it to me, it mm-hmm. makes no sense. Because you know, they're one, yeah. they're going to get in trouble with Google eventually. Yeah, it's not so a mm-hmm. A competitor reports them. But two, they actually do have a five-star rating. Yeah. And they had so, the most yeah. on the picture. Like they were it, the clear It actually winner. makes me not want to believe that five-star rating because if they're a, a sleazy enough organization to have to use emojis to try to get you to see the five stars, and it makes me wonder what did they what did they do or what are they doing now to get that five-star rating in the first place? It just doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense. Other than I guarantee you the owner came up with it. Oh, I'm sure. Oh yeah. If you yeah, the if you go on that site, the owner is super involved and I went on there. I'm like, let me see this. They make like, <laughs> it's the weirdest thing ever. It's actually, it's cool. But then didn't, didn't they do this? And you're like, well, I don't really like what they do. All these like parody videos of services that they offer. Um, yeah. So that it's actually, it's interesting. Yeah. You're like, oh, that's pretty cool. But it's still like, you guys, a little too much there. I'm like, Come yeah. on, settle it down. De- definitely <sighs> seems tacky, kind of yeah. overreaching. And, and, and I, Kevin, I agree. You know, it kind of does go beyond what you'd expect from a five star business. Yeah. You know, it's like I, with the Ritz Carlton ever do that? <laughs> Right. No. Why would they need to? It's got, I had another conversation kind of along this line of just get their attention, you know, parody videos. And um, I was talking to someone who they were being advised by a, a different consultant to for this upcoming campaign that they were getting ready to launch and um, to just be as in your face and as shocking as possible. The more mm. shocking, the better. It's like, you know, in the past, um, builders like CBH have used videos or uh, marketing materials about, you know, toenails in the carpet or, you know, mm. of, of a used home, making it less desirable because it's been lived in this this company in essence would have just thought you know we're just going to show poop on the carpet like you're or just you're just like it. whatever is the most extreme just to shock people to try to get through um the clutter and i think that's just a for, for some you know if it's a chewing gum or a pizza company maybe um but i just don't homes are so important and have so many other unique things to talk about and mm-hmm. i just uh, makes me yeah makes me I nervous agree. i agree all right. all right well on to the news jackie what's this first one we got here this first one that i saw from TechCrunch. i i know this has been kind of floating around in the the industry when it was first mentioned last year but facebook confirms it's building augmented reality glasses nice. and i i know the the head of augmented reality uh, had told TechCrunch's uh, ar vr event in la that they are in fact moving forward with that and very interesting concept because I know Facebook, their patented application for it was spotted using a waveguide display with two-dimensional scanner to project media onto the lenses. But also they're working on using projectors to display AR experiences on top of physical objects like a chessboard on a table Mm. or a person's likeness on something for teleconferencing. So you could play chess with someone and there's actually nothing there and people are looking at you like you're crazy you and this other person but you see yeah. it if they got the glasses on exactly sweet definitely moving be, forward from what the, they had first mentioned last year sure will be weird yeah last april mark said that he thought they were five or seven years away from technically mm-hmm. being able to build what it was they really wanted to interesting 
interesting to see it's in the works. And I, I know some people who've been following this, I they mentioned in this that the job positions have been posted for to get some people mm-hmm. with that background. So nice. yeah. very interesting to see where this will go. I, AR is definitely more compelling. Um, a lot of people going into it. I, I really think there is a 50-50 chance that Facebook kind of closes down as much as we've talked about the Oculus Go mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how we like it. And they've got other Oculus products. I think I think VR is, is really struggling right now. Uh, it's it's back in that hype cycle that we've talked about before. Of yep. And it actually is good this time, but it's still it's it, it's got a lot of room to go. And I, I think mm-hmm. Oculus may end up being shut down as a as a I mean, they just bought it not too many years ago, but I wouldn't be surprised. I'd say 50 50 chance that they shut down that division and just go all in on AR instead. Yeah. Now that yeah. you say that, like Oculus mm-hmm. is kind of the reverse of what everything else is going like you're mm-hmm. kind of in your own world with the VR, like you're not with other people, mm-hmm. but AR, like that example, I, I would, I jokingly have was sarcastic, but I think it's actually really cool. You could be playing chess or any other game with some person right there in yeah. front of you with that person, with your Facebook account, with their Facebook account, mm-hmm. it all ties back to the account. So that's creepy as well. Like, Hey, here's this person. Like they're at Starbucks right there in front of me. We're somehow hooked up. It's like that episode in black mirror. I forgot the, which one it is, but you yeah. see everyone's social status above their yeah. head. Like when you could look at them. So the same yeah. type of thing, like, Oh, we got, yeah, have. we got mutual sure. friends. This is great. Oh, you know, this person. Great. So it, yeah. all these, you know, Mark, even though they have their issues this year with, it's like one after another, poor guys, <laughs> all their bad no. decisions. Um, that would be positive, which does go with everything he says. They want to create positive experiences and having that like, oh, we know we have five mutual friends or something. If they're able to mm-hmm. do that, like identify other Facebook users and somehow maybe set a permission, like people can see those types of things. It'd be really cool. Well, yeah. and again, this goes back to what Jeff Turner was talking about with us as well, is if you can put on those AR glasses, go into an existing model home that you have, but have all the picture frames and the artwork on the wall be pulled from your own mm. Facebook account. So it's your kids yeah, and the pictures, it's awesome. your vacation <gasps> memories on the wall. It, you know, that's where I think, that, you know, the way that they're showing it in this article where um, it's actually from the Oculus division of Facebook, mm-hmm. they just basically talk about AR being socially acceptable and VR giving you a, a richer experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if I agree with the richer, uh, a richer fake experience, but it's not AR, you know, that example we just talked about walking through a model home, that's the richest experience possible because it's real. Yep. It's 100% real. Mm-hmm. And it's pulling in the best of your virtual um, self as well. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's super cool. I will be on the wait list for that pre-order. I do need to pre-order the Facebook <laughs> portal too. that we talked about last week. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and going. I had a call with an OSC who just got back into the market, which super excited to have her back. She knows who she is if she's listening, but she's back as an OSC after being out for about a year. And we were talking about some of the things that have changed and and I was talking to her about the portal. I, I heard what you guys said about it last week, mm-hmm. um, you and Becca. But I think, you know, people who are already doing Facebook lives or any type of live um, broadcasting from a model now, you know, having an OSC go into a, a model home and put that on the kitchen and then be able to walk essentially across one mm-hmm. uh, more than one room, you know, two or three potentially different rooms if you have an open floor plan and to have the camera follow them and also for the screen to be large enough because if you're broadcasting live from your mobile phone now, mm-hmm. it can be tricky, right? To see the comments coming in, to mm-hmm. be able to not have them scroll by too fast. So I think having live events using that portal device um, could be could be a great opportunity. Oh, for sure. Yeah. We'll yeah. see. Game Absolutely. Changer. And the microphone will be significantly better, I'd, I'd imagine, mm-hmm. compared to on your phone. So. Yep. And you already have, right, uh, the ability to pull other people in. So you could start out um, mm-hmm. having them chat to you, asking you questions. And then if they get interested enough, you could pull them in live and be able to actually see them and uh, continue like one-on-one video that's still broadcasting potentially too.
you. Yeah. All right. Lots of other news uh, to go through here. So the next one up is from 9to5google.com. And the headline is Google is killing location-based nearby notifications on Android due to spam. Ooh. And just a real quick to circle you all back, uh, why I think this was important enough to put in the news was Beacon Technology is, again, when you if you have the um, Apple Store app installed on your phone and you walk by the Apple Store in the mall or you have the Starbucks app installed, you walk by the Starbucks store, what does it do? When you get close to the store, little, hey, welcome to the Apple store pops up. We're excited to see you, that kind of thing. And and the difference between how Android and um, iOS has approached this in the past is that iOS required that for the beacon to, to hit and give you that notification, you had to have the actual app installed, which is why I still think Zillow should be making the kind of sign technology that Compass is using because everyone has the Zillow app installed. Mm-hmm. Not very many people yet have the Compass app installed. Mm-hmm. But Android used to be an open system. So it was just any beacon could spam you all the time. And now they're basically saying, yeah, that's not a very good experience. We kind of agree with Apple on this front. So uh, starting in December, what they're saying is they're going to require that you, the app be installed in order for you to get that notification pushed. And I wouldn't be surprised if they roll this out to Chrome as well. I mean, if you guys get super annoyed, I mean, people thought this was genius. But whenever I go to a website and it's like, we'd love to send you push notifications. Oh, that's uh, awful. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, or the uh, or the location can this website access your location like no no yeah all the time yeah. yes no i mean and how many times do you accidentally hit the yes and then you're like crap where do i go to undo that and then yeah. they keep mm-hmm. screaming at you and again you can just picture some marketer being like oh this is awesome we got 50 push notifications clicked on yeah and By all accident. of them are trying to figure out <laughs> how the heck do i turn this off because it's <laughs> super annoying very yeah. true so beacons are still a great great tracking tool if you get um get them installed the right way and and have a, an app ecosystem that you think your customers are going to use. But um, it's going to continue like everything else, gearing more towards privacy, towards being able to control how that privacy is used. Um, just thought it was super interesting that, that Google is actually moving to doing things the way that Apple is in that, in that mm-hmm. arena. Yep. All right. What's up next, Andrew? What's up next is some crazy stuff. Um, so there are these um, Adobe. Have you seen on Instagram? I think it was Instagram. There's that app that people would make cinemagraphs, like a still image. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then like the clouds are moving or something. I yeah. think they're I think they're kind of dorky. I don't know. I'm not a big yeah, fan. Becca was just uh, talking about that again earlier today, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, exactly. And they're kind of old. If you Google like if you go on Google Trends and you type in cinemagraphs, they're like two or three years old. Um, so what yeah. Adobe is do, doing is they're making this technology that is just like the or not just it is similar to Facebook's 3D photos. If you take a iPhone portrait photo, which uses both lenses and it has like two different images and it makes one file. And then Facebook on Facebook, mm-hmm. you upload a 3D photo of that and it kind of mixes the two together. You could move the phone, rotate it kind of in any direction. You're like, oh, this is 3D. They're doing the same thing, except I think it is much, much cooler. Um, Adobe Max. And there's a super, super cool video. And we actually have it linked right up to the real estate example. And it is impressive. Yeah, they call it moving stills. Moving stills. And I think it's not even comparable to the way that, you know, because when I was on vacation um, down in Florida with my wife last week when it launched. And so, of course, I was like, what can I? And I went back through, I already had a lot of portrait photos that I had taken and they all looked like crap when it turned it into 3D. I mean, mm-hmm. if there was more than like clearly two different uh, layers or planes in the photo, mm-hmm. it would start like, it was almost like everything would turn to liquid. Yeah. And it it's would like just liquefy. kind of go and it's 
off in its own direction. It was just like, what is happening, which which made me wonder why did they even do this? I right. mean, it's it's interesting. It is interesting when you see one that kind of works, but it's one. It's still really complicated. Two, it only works with portrait mode photos. Yeah, and three, it's just not that great. And I'm like, why? Yeah, it's not. Why would you push this out and and have it's that hard to do it? And then the majority of the time, it still looks stupid. Mm-hmm. So you know, when we compare that to what Adobe is doing here, where it literally is, you know, their real estate example. I mean, it's like 90% perfect in how it makes it appear panning from top to bottom on a, on a the shot of a master bedroom. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just, it looks like a video. Yeah. It's you could, fascinating. Really yeah. You can almost I, make a video with it. I love the idea of turning, because uh, how many people have a bunch of really amazing still photos and they think you can have these little mini movies from them. Mm-hmm. Oh, so mm-hmm. exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the video example that you'll see in the link uh, in the show notes and in the in the Facebook group, I mean, in comparison to posting a 3D photo on, on the Facebook app, this is just open up a photo, click the animate button, and it automatically chooses what it thinks will be what you're trying to do. But to adjust it is literally just clicking the gear icon and saying, no, don't pan from left to right and up down or do whatever you want it to do. It's just so much more simple. Now, of course, Adobe is probably going to charge for this, I would imagine. And yeah. Facebook, it's free but that's crappy free is is not worth not it worth that's it. true i might have, i might have, i might have missed it but when is it supposed to come out to the public oh uh this is just a yeah just a preview yeah. so adobe max is kind of their big um it's like the new you know, preview event yeah it's like it's like their version of apple's we're good this is going to come oh, out in a couple say. months and sometimes this stuff doesn't oh, all make great. the light of day so i don't think they've talked at all yet about when it will be available but just the fact that they already can do this mm-hmm. i mean they it's it's going to be incredible. Uh, there will be even less excuses for content creators. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to get, getting good good video like just shots. Do this. Of, uh, mm-hmm. I think Jackie, this next one is yours, right? Oh no, this is me. But I, no, it's I, yours. Oh, and, but, anything design, I'm like that's Jackie's. Yeah, no, but I knew I knew she and I would <laughs> would be able through. to bond over this one. So good, good. <laughs> yeah, this one's from McKinsey.com. You know the the very famous consulting group McKinsey, and um, the short story is that great design truly does matter in terms of tangible business mm-hmm. results. And so um, I believe what they did was over the course of five years, looked at where what they considered and they had a ranking system and a method to, to how they determine this. But the companies that were the, 20, the top 25% in terms of having good design incorporated into how they do their business, the top 25% increased their revenues 32% higher than everybody else. And on average, their stock mm-hmm. returns improved 56%. Hmm. And then even more interesting than that was, you know, they said that it didn't really matter. They, they looked at this across three different industries, metal, medical technology, consumer goods, and retail banking, which Ooh, already are like retail mm. banking and good design. I'm not certain. <laughs> right. But, you know, what they found was good design matters whether your company focuses on physical goods, digital products, services, or some combination of all of them. And, you know, Absolutely. the other really interesting thing is it was only the top 25 that saw any noticeable difference. Those numbers that I already shared. If you were just mm-hmm. a little bit better, it made no difference. So it really is about being great. And when you think about good design companies, you know, what names come to mind? That's that's a that's a hard question because I feel like that is a hard question. Oh, that's it's a, a real designer. easy question. Uh, exactly. Is it a- mm. Apple? Okay, okay Apple. Okay. Apple. I was just gonna say they're. I love. I love yeah. the way they do things. Their commercials. I don't know. I'm always the one. Like their commercials mm-hmm. come on, and I like immediately am looking right up. I. I very. Yeah, Zobby Devil's Advocate. Can I be? Well, in a second. So uh, just to clarify, okay, though, shoot. this isn't just design in terms <laughs> of the product. It's design in terms of how they go to. It's the whole. You know, all parts of how they. Mm-hmm. 
operate mm-hmm. their business. So how they go to market, the ads, the product itself, you know, how much is design incorporated into everything they do. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So that's where okay. Apple, Tesla, Nike, right? Those are those are three yeah. just off the top of my head, you know, where there's there's no doubt that the mm-hmm. design is critical to their success. Oh, for sure. So devil's for advocate. Sure. Is this like um so the phrase uh correlation and causation, mm-hmm. right? So is the design causing this increase or is it just those companies that are going to excel and are the market leaders and are they'll have the most growth, all those things, positive things. They're the ones that also value that and know that design is super important. Does that make sense? Like they're going to do everything 10 out of 10 anyways. So that's, so their designs mm-hmm. gonna be 10 out of 10. I don't think my, uh, my experience with working with lots of companies over the years now is that's not how a company acts. Like, uh, you know, when I go and meet with a new home building company or if I'm speaking to a small group, I'll, I'll ask people to raise their hand and say, you know, everyone, every home building company at the end of the day is run by one department. I mean, they, they lead the way they get what they want. Mm-hmm. Are you a sales company, a marketing company, a construction company, a, a you know, accountant run organization, but someone. And so even in the best groups, right, they're, they're not good at everything and they don't truly prioritize everything. And so I don't think, yeah. let's just say large home building companies, for example, mm-hmm. would tend to say design, we don't care about at all. Even though they're very successful, they make a lot of money and they sell a lot of homes. They don't incorporate design in everything they do. They might make sure that their floor plans are designed well, but their ads will look terrible. Their logo mm-hmm. hasn't been updated in 20 years. Um, their website experience is right. abysmal. Right. And so their belief, when you look at that, the belief from the top is we're focusing on the design that we think matters but we don't think it matters everywhere. We think it only matters in some places. I I, to- I completely agree that it has to come full circle to be ultimately successful in the long run. Easy to, to make one aspect of that, whether it be just product or one campaign, but everything has to flow and kind of give off that really good customer experience visually. And I think that's an important part too. It, it is visual and it's also customer focused. So if the design is being built mm-hmm. to what the CEO wants or the division president wants or the sales manager wants versus what the customer is going to want. You can have good design Mm -hmm. that's focused on the wrong audience. And that at the end of the day ends up not being good design. For sure. I gotcha. This is, I I like this. um, I like their blog layout. This is random. (laughs) But I really like the, the design. No, yeah. The design on it gives you, yeah. A great impression. I'm borrowing that. Yeah, oh. I just think this is a great one. Again, I, I posted this a little earlier on social because I just couldn't wait. But send this article, bring it up at a at a meeting, send it to your COO, CFO, um, you know, whoever in the company is is just focused on the bottom line. Because I can't tell you how many times. Well, think about it this way: how many, how often does a marketer get tasked? You just posted about this on Instagram, Andrew. Mm-hmm. Uh, did. We didn't design the house right. Mm-hmm. We didn't design the the product. The selections in it might be overspec, but we were. Now now expect the design of the ad to solve all those problems. Correct. That's that's what mm-hmm. McKenzie's talking about is having a design methodology, business practice at every step of the way versus just at the end slapping lipstick on the pig is what drives these kind of results. Definitely. I got you. No, I got you. Because it's the sense. compound effect of the design thinking going all the way through the company. Yep. From the beginning to the very end, not just mm-hmm. yep. get that ad going, do it. Exactly. Good luck. Exactly. Right. All right. That'll do it for the news. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with this week's 360 topic, which we're calling what a difference three years makes. We're going to compare some numbers from 2015 to 2018 that a lot of you, I think, will be surprised by. And then to get back in the time machine and go back even further, we're going to do a little peek at 2008 compared to 2018 as well. So what's changed in three years and what's changed in 10 years? We'll be right back.
And we're back with this week's topic. What a difference three years makes looking at uh, details and website traffic differences, online sales differences from 2015 to 2018, and what it means so that we can all um, understand the shift that's happened and and the best practices that we need to put in place to address it. I actually, though, I want to start out, guys, by looking back 10 years ago. Oh, uh, so we're going to start in 2008. Okay. So, Andrew, you were a 12? freshman. Yeah, I was almost 12. <laughs> I just started. I got my first beard hair then. No, that's my freshman <laughs> Uh, yeah, the spring of my fresh, uh, freshman year college, in college. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Same here. It's crazy. Oh, young and so, mm-hmm, both of us. 10 years ago, and those of you who have seen me do a talk recently have seen this slide. 10 years ago, the most popular selling cell phone was the Nokia brick phone, brick style, right? Nice. We had T9 texting. Insane. We yeah. had Snake, right? Um, you might have been able to view some type of mobile specific version of a, of a website with some versions of the tool. But what I did was, and there weren't a whole whole lot of them. Now, I mean, we we work with a lot of builders all around the country now of all different sizes. But when I one of the interesting things was, of all the ones we worked with, I only was able to go back mm-hmm. to about 10 of them and see analytic data back to the year 2008, um, which oh, just wow. tells you a little something, whether people lost their data, never bothered to install it until a certain time period, who knows. Um, but back in 2008, even Google Analytics didn't necessarily break things out by where the traffic came from. So it was just mm-hmm. kind of all lumped into traffic to the site. Just it's, it's just stunning. But the reason I want to start with 10 years ago, guys, is because some people right now are feeling like we're at the beginning of maybe another turn of the market similar to 2008, 2009. Hmm. And we are not. And, and the reason I can say that confidently is because back in 2008 and 2009, when we hit the Great Recession, people simply were not going to home builder websites anymore. So as an example, Mm. small builder in a large town back in 2008 was averaging 500 website visitors, or sorry, 50 website visitors a day. Multiple communities selling a good Mm -hmm. number of homes, 50 people a day on average visiting the site 10 years ago. Mm. Another builder who is in five different states, lots of communities, selling lots of homes. They were averaging 250 users a day back in 2008. They are now averaging 2,500 users a day. Oh my gosh. That's a 900% increase in website traffic. So the difference between, and I could go on, you know, another multi-state builder um, who was apparently doing pretty good with digital marketing in comparison back in the day, 550 unique users per day. They now average 6,000. Now, so the difference in the last great downturn and what we're seeing right now is, yes, people are not buying right now at the same pace and prices are not rising at the same pace as they were a few months ago. But when you go into your analytics and you look at your data, they're still shopping. They're still coming to your website in large numbers. Back Mm -hmm. in the Great Recession, people just weren't showing up. I mean, you think about right now, what would happen if your website traffic dropped by 900%? Yeah. Then you would panic, right? Yeah, that's a big... You would be concerned. (laughs) So... Just one. I just wanted to start out there and say, ten years makes a big difference in the perspective of what 2008 was like compared to to late 2018, where people are for some reason starting to lose their minds. Um, not not lose their minds, but they're definitely feeling anxious. Is hey, they're still out there, they're still shopping, and it doesn't. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a much better place to be in than just to have you know crickets out there online. No one's even looking for a house because they know that they just shouldn't even be thinking about it. So that's mm-hmm. that's, that's a big difference uh, from from ten years ago. Okay, so now shifting 
back over to just comparing 2015 to 2018. So we unveiled this originally at the summit uh, a little over a month ago, but I wanted to walk through with Andrew and Jackie comparing where website traffic was coming from back in 2015 as a percentage of overall traffic to the site compared to 2018. And we broke this down, uh, really looked at five main areas, organic, paid search, paid social traffic, organic social traffic, and direct traffic. So let's break it down, Andrew. Take it away. All right, so organic traffic, which we were all concerned with, that's typically the highest quality. Three years ago, that was about 49, 50% of your traffic. And now mm -hmm. it's dropped down to about 27%. Yeah, that's, that's a little, little cool. difference there. That is a yeah. little different. Um, any, any ideas why that may be? Um, so I think it's like, for me, I think it's a more relative number. I think there's still people searching. So I don't know if that, mm -hmm. if the people searching is cut in half or if the other traffic sources are taking up more. But I do know people are, are just getting to the site, I think, more directly because of the other traffic sources, say like Facebook, or just skipping the mm -hmm. Google right. step. If they go Facebook, then they go to your site versus Facebook, Google site. Mm -hmm. yep. So yeah, how the campaigns are set up, how well you're, the marketing you have going on, whether different ads or SEO. Yep. And this is aggregated data from let's let's round it out and say 45 home building companies around the country of all different sizes, publics, privates, etc. So it's aggregated data just just so you have a sense of, of where it's coming from. I think what you're saying is absolutely true, right? Uh, there's more variety of places that traffic could be coming from besides just search. But I also think that you know companies like Zillow, Realtor.com, uh, New Home Source, and etc. All the different syndication sites in almost all searches are going to be taking up those top three positions on organic search, mm -hmm. which they may not have been as dominant in three years ago, combined mm -hmm. with, and this is what everyone kind of, uh, their eyes were opened and started lamenting a little bit at, at the summit that you heard about on that, that live episode we recorded was just, there wasn't enough attention paid to local search and how to really affect that change there For to sure. compete against those guys cornering the market mm -hmm. on the broader terms. And then the, the last reason that Andrew Garberson reminded everyone was maybe about 10% of that drop is because now when people are looking for directions of how to get to a community they're already on their way to see, they don't ever mm -hmm. even have to go to your website to get that. Now Google just shows them, you know, your community and the map off to the side. You can click that, get the directions. You never even need to go to the site at all to get some of that basic transactional information. Definitely. So then this this Makes also sense. could be a, a big opportunity point. It has been an ignored channel over the past couple of years mm -hmm. as far as getting yes. more traffic, like local yep. SEO, just like you said. And I think to unpack that just a little bit more, the opportunity is there because let's face it, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm guessing algorithms are helping Zillow to create pages at scale, mm -hmm. right? There's not, there's not, mm -hmm. <laughs> there's not a person I hope whose, whose job is to go through and find every community name and every street and, you know, put all that into the URL structure and, and how the site is designed, right? So they're able to mm -hmm. use their technology advantage and, and um, budget advantage to build systems and tools to make a lot of pages that are made dynamically very quickly. But when it comes to hyper-local, and this is what those truly a neighborhood pages, remember that we looked at um, mm -hmm. several weeks ago, those are designed to be what home builders should have been doing over the last two to three years. Go deeper on those channels. Now they're focusing originally on you know large areas of town, but their goal is to get to, I'm sure, every individual neighborhood in America has deep content. Oh, yeah. So that's the opportunity. Mm -hmm. It's not just to have a page that says you know, New Homes Dublin, Ohio, but to have a, a page that really tells you what, it's, what it feels like and 
looks like to live in Dublin uh, from an experiential standpoint in a way that no algorithm or dynamic page could automatically generate based upon a Wikipedia entry. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure it does. Yeah. I yeah. And I think that opportunity is still going to be out there for the next two years. And then again, bets are off because that's how fast technology is improving to let them make this it's... content and aggregate <laughs> it from so many different places. Very true. Very true. Yeah. All right. Next one, we have paid search in 2015. That was 10% of the traffic. And this uh-huh. doubled to 20% in 2018. Yeah. And that's mm. so... I mean, good news, bad news, right? Good news is um, paid search is is here to stay. It's an integral part of how home builders are marketing. The bad news is, is it's expensive and you're paying for each one of those clicks. Yep. Um, yeah. And it's also the result of losing those top three positions to the syndication sites. So if you want to appear in the search results in a place that someone is likely to click on, it's pay to play, which again, just to rewind like a minute and how we're talking about is, well, Kevin, it's hard. Kevin, it's expensive to go in all in on that local content strategy it's pay me now or pay me later right i mean you're yeah. gonna pay for it so true one you way do, or another do one or the other or, or ideally you do both and then, then you have both running yes that is why we hate billboards <laughs> that's so right much. exactly because right. <laughs> then you can have the money to do both right on. right right and paid social is exciting because in two, 2015 <laughs> yeah. paid social would be paid advertisements on facebook and instagram mm-hmm. 2015 zero percent right. that's crazy right i mean I again that right? is crazy it's like the nokia phone it just wasn't really a thing three years ago was well, not a thing and now it is about 18 19 percent on average mm-hmm. so that's that's a fair amount from zero that's a big increase that is yeah yeah I almost like equal with paid search in terms of the amount of of traffic coming to home builder websites from paid social media yeah so so mm-hmm. a lot of that you know facebook has been decreasing the um, organic reach of a business page to almost mm-hmm. nothing was it like one percent now if you have good content so it's not you have to have your presence there but that's not where your focus should be so that's that's the big reason and then too, like it's, it's, it's good. It works well, you know, Facebook ads. So it's like, okay. Move yeah. If you do it right, that way. it does, it there does work do well. It right. mm-hmm. And it exposes you to um, people who aren't yet further down the funnel, right? So you're getting some good, uh, good awareness levels beyond just the people who are imminently about to purchase in the next month or so. I think that's a big driver of, of why website traffic as a whole has increased. Certainly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. So obviously be very curious what this number would be for everyone. Cause I think, think one of the things we we know, and I'll talk a lot about this, is that not everyone approaches social from a, this campaign should always be running, right? So the builders mm-hmm. that we work with gotcha. are going to always have a campaign for a sub-market or the market as a whole running all the time. It's not, well, this community needs help, that community needs help. It, it is a more a strategy similar to that of paid search and always running campaign. Um, and so I, th- I wonder I wonder how much that's impacting the percentages that we're seeing here compared to others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Maybe that's a good question of the week, right? What percentage of your paid social traffic? uh, I like it. It makes up your, all all of the website traffic that you have. Yeah. I will write that down. I like it. We'll see if, we'll see if people are willing to (laughs) to share that. Um, The next one is organic social. This one cracks me up. Oh yeah. This one. Yeah. Right. It was sad and got sadder. Um, So 2015, it was about 7%. And in 2018, we dropped down to say four to 5%. It's almost cut in half to almost nothing and still almost, still almost nothing. Well, what the, yeah, what cracks me up is I would argue that 2015 uh, organic social was like the height, oh, pretty yeah. darn close to the height yeah. of, mm-hmm. I mean, heck back in, when did Sam Jackson, was he there when you worked at Heartland, Jackie? He was there right before I came okay. on. So we had so hired he, a yeah. full-time social media coordinator then. What, what year did you start? I started 2011 or 12. 
12, I yeah. believe. So, I mean, 2015, holy cow, I, I have to imagine that people were all in on organic social at that point because we had yep. apparently, you know, back in 2010, 12, 2009, maybe even hired someone whose full-time job was to create organic posts, interact with people, um, mm -hmm. be out there. So by 2015, that, that was at its peak. And yet in terms of people going to the website from any of that content that was created, you know, like you said, about 7% in its heyday. Mm -hmm. It's wow. It's why I, I say, you know, it's, and it's, it's not the same for personal brands. It's not the same for influencers. It's not the same oh, for yeah. consumer packaged good companies necessarily as it is for home builders. Mm -hmm. But I just have to say it again, organic social media is kind of like email marketing in the sense that you need to be doing it. You need to do it consistently. You need to do it well, mm -hmm. but you don't need to overinvest there in time, money, or attention, uh, except for Absolutely. the organic social of interacting with everyone who's talking to you on your paid ads. Correct. Yes, do <laughs> All that. All those comments mm -hmm. and interactions there. Don't ignore those. <laughs> Setup systems. Yep, get it going. And then last but certainly not least is direct traffic. In 2015, we were at 2000, we're at, excuse me, we're at 20%. And in 2018, jumped down to 12%. Mm. This one's puzzling. It is. Um, yeah, it is. And again, this is why I quantify it. This is aggregated data from lots of different builders that that we work with and, and have access to see that or they've shared it with us. And so one potential reason for this shift is back in 2015, almost nobody was using UTM codes. And if yep. they were, probably not accurately or consistently. So part of me wonders if uh, some of those direct folks were actually social, um, actually mm. coming from from somewhere else and they just weren't being attributed correctly or yeah. traffic coming from an app uh, into the site and that being converted over to direct traffic. For sure, because direct traffic is all else, right? As far as how analytics yeah. will track it. If, yeah, and if I don't even know when analytics, at one point analytics started breaking things out and putting it into an other category. But I think back in 2015, it may have just all been put into direct or referral uh, traffic if it didn't know where else to put it. So mm. that's one potential possibility. The other one, which I really want to find a way to test this theory is we still hear those stats about people taking three to six months on average to search. Millennials are spending three months looking for a home before they decide. Boomers taking up to six months still. Gen X somewhere in between. I think those numbers are accurate, but I also have a sense based upon looking at this that people might be making judgment calls earlier on than we suspect about which builders to keep on the short list. Because the other reality that we know about direct traffic is that a lot of it is B-back traffic. It might be B-back from a different device. And so it looks Ooh. like it's a first time visit, but it really is coming back. You know, I saw the ad on my, on my mobile phone. I came back on my desktop, et cetera. So what this could mean is that we have fewer be back or repeat visitors on a website over a period of time. And I think that goes to the reason I think that makes sense is we know how important first impressions are. We know we've talked before about the importance of the design of your website, how fast you can build trust about being a type of organization you want to do business with. And I think kind of like car shopping and um, baby uh, item shopping that you've talked about the last right. two times you've been on, Jackie. I think yeah. people get overwhelmed. And I just, again, I have the sense that if I go on Builder X's website and they make my shortlist, then I come back to see them throughout that three to six month period. But pretty early on, if I go see Builder Y and I look at their product and I think, I don't like that or that's too expensive, I'm not that kind of buyer. I think you ignore that almost throughout that next three to six months. So just at times we've talked yeah. about marketers feeling pretty comfortable that you have this long window of time to get into a second, third, fourth chance. Looking at this data, makes me wonder about that now. Mm -hmm. I don't know. We need to, I'm trying to think how we could track that somehow. If, yeah, oh, if no, that's we'll even possible. Break it down. 
we'll, we'll figure something out. But we'll get it. It, otherwise, the only other possibility is that um, people are simply coming direct less. Again, like you said, because there's so many other places to come in and right. you know, less newspaper ads, less billboards where people would just say, oh, that's the URL. I need to plug it in. So it, it could be a result of simply less brand building, general mass media advertising as well. That's certainly another possibility mm-hmm. that would still make sense. We need to commit like a, yeah. a thousand hours on this and somehow have it adjusted for inflation <laughs> of, you know, like adjusted for inflation, except inflation would be like sessions on the site, like somehow have it like mm-hmm. equalized. Um, that sounds I think we just terrible. have a home builder yeah. listening, uh, reach out to us and volunteer to put 20% of their budget back into billboards so we can compare yeah. how the direct traffic changes. <laughs> there we go. That's a yeah. good idea. Yeah. So if you're willing Easy to do fix. that, just yep. give us a call. <laughs> we'll be happy to experiment. So just we kind of walk through the, the change in where traffic is coming from for home builders to their websites. But Jackie's going to break down for us kind of the other two data points comparing 2015 to 2018 that are pretty darn important. So the other changes are total visitor change. And from the difference of those three years is seeing a 155% increase in unique users. So in three years, which yep. 155% more visitors, users to websites. That That's a pretty amazing leap because you think it's huge, you know, not as much has changed in the last three years as the last 10 years in terms of technology, how people are accessing websites and and how much they're involved in our lives. Mm -hmm. Good news, right? A lot more people are coming out to look at your products than ever before online. Is there any downside you guys can think of to that number? Um, If it's too much, maybe you aren't keeping people. Like it's... That's what I was just going to say. Repeat, constant repeat. Like what is the perfect ratio? I guess that gets into this existential question. Oh, no, that's a good question. We talked about that. Return, like, what is mm-hmm. that number? And is there a magic silver bullet number that will solve all of my problems? Um, oh, now you're baiting me. I know. You know there's, I'm, I'm biased <laughs> against ever having a silver bullet answer or anything. But I, I would say generally, <laughs> you want your repeat traffic to be in the 20 to 30, 33, 35% range. Really, any more than that, it probably means you're under investing across all your channels in marketing. You know, we, we, yeah. we've seen builders who have 50% of their traffic as return visitors. And you're like, oh, I mean, that's good. You're getting a lot of people coming back. But it also means that you're not getting much new blood into the system. Yeah, I think think that's when you consider. Yeah, I think that's the thing to remember is not enough new blood, not enough new people. Yeah. If that's too high. Especially, and and people say, well, why do I need that if they're, because the reason you need new blood is you're only converting on average, again, between one and 3% of those people at the high end. So you still need Mm -hmm. some big numbers uh, because even those folks who have that 50%, they're not converting 8% of their web traffic or 10%. So you have to have enough numbers to hit your goals. Hmm. So um, more web traffic overall, 155%. That's good. What about the other one? And the other one is total lead change. That is a 90% increase in online lead count. Nice. No lead left behind. No. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> Less web tra- traffic going nowhere. Um, so th- so right. I think the reason that's important is we do have this big uptick in web count. That's not the same percentage increase in lead count. So that can be kind of sad. And we're going to talk more about um, some reasons why mm-hmm. that number still may not not be entirely accurate, but a 90% increase in leads is still means that a lot of those paid social, social further up the funnel folks are eventually taking action because mm-hmm. that growth isn't all coming from organic, right? And it's not all coming from paid search because those didn't grow by 90%. Mm-hmm. So more leads, which makes me wonder about two things, you know, has, if you're a home builder listening to this, think to yourself, mm-hmm. has the number of online salespeople in your organization had a similar increase in count, right? If you, are you do you still 
still just have one? Do you still just have two, right? 2015 compared to 2018, that lead count number has changed dramatically. And do we, have we staffed appropriately to consider that? I think it's, mm -hmm. I think it's definitely something to think about because one of the negatives could be you're going to overwhelm oh, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. someone, right? For sure. The other question is, you know, the contribution of your online salesperson to the overall company goal. So if you were con contributing 20% in 2015 of your sales came through this online sales position, are you still at 20%? Are you increasing that percentage? Um, and, or, or is the number just getting bigger because the total number of leads has gotten bigger and you're not looking mm -hmm. at the entire picture? True. You would expect more to point. come from the OSE if the uh, online lead count's going up, right? Yeah. But making sure yeah. that it's tracking equal to or better than the overall sales growth that you've probably experienced from 2015 to 2018. Gotcha. Mm. Yep. And then the other thing that kind of goes along with this is um, how we track those numbers is, is obviously by looking at the CRM system. So that's, I went into the CRM of, of those builders and aggregated that data up to come to a 90% increase in lead count just in the online sales projects, right? This is not looking at walk-in traffic at all, traffic from the models. But one of the things that that means is how did those names get in the CRM? And could we actually be closer to the 155% increase in total leads? Just not, they're not all making it into the CRM. Now, let me be clear. When I say they're not making it in the CRM, it may be because they weren't worthy of being in the CRM in the first place. So I'm not making a mm -hmm. statement here about the quality of the leads or that online salespeople aren't doing their job. Just want to put that out there very, very clear. Um, but one of the other interesting things that we talked about was that for, I would say about 70% of the builders that we work with, they're now getting two thirds of their online leads via the phone. Meaning mm. when I look at their Google Analytics goals that are set up to track form submissions, first time phone calls where they press one for sales and first time text messages to the online sales team, mm -hmm. two or three years ago, it would be about two thirds form completions to one third phone calls. And now it mm. is the opposite. So one builder that we work with in a, in a little bit over a month had 598 first time phone calls that pressed one for sales and 206 form submissions. Wow. What's the downside of having a phone call versus a form submission in terms of the CRM, do you think? Yeah. Uh, the forms are much more reliable as far as it's going directly yeah. into yeah. the CRM. Right. No, it just It's yeah. going in there. They're, they're giving it to you up front. You're getting their first name, it's last name, email address, right and maybe a phone yep. number. And one of the things that we've trained online salespeople to do forever is try to take those email conversations and move them onto the phone. Now, when they start with a phone call, there's a chance that you solve their problem and they don't need to go in the CRM. There's a chance that they're asking you a question and before you're able to get contact information, they jump off. Or you have a great conversation and don't get the email address. And then your only opportunity for follow-up is to make more phone calls mm -hmm. or to send out text messages, which doesn't scale the same way. So this all kind of rolls up together to online salespeople's jobs are harder today, I think, because you're now getting so many more calls on the phone. And roughly, yeah. again, this is a rough number, about one third of first-time phone calls that press one for sale end up in the CRM. Most of the time, because that's the number that's truly qualified that, that the online salesperson is able to have a conversation with and get that information from. But then when you think back to that 90% increase in lead count is those are leads. If we looked at, you know, the increase in requests for information via phone, text, or, or email form mm -hmm. submissions, I think that number would be through the roof, probably 200% increase oh. when, you, when you take all those into consideration. Definitely. Yeah. I agree. So that's, that's just a lot more a lot stuff coming at the online salespeople yeah. than ever before. And do you think it is going to get worse 
not worse. That's not that it's a positive thing for the, for the online salespeople, but it's that trend is going that direction where every, more and more people are going through the online yep. salesperson. And that's why I still don't, I still, yeah. ha, we still have only, we've seen one tool that has some promise on the, on the artificial intelligence front to really help this problem. But for now, that's why I asked the question about how many online salespeople are on the team, the size of the team, the efficiency of the team, what you're asking them to do, because eventually this growth is, it will continue, I think, Andrew. And I think it's going to continue to force the issue of how do we get AI more involved in nurturing and follow-up of the basics. It's the same reason that we're trying to figure out how to get robots to you know, lay brick on all of our homes and how fast can we get robots to frame homes in the field for us. And because we have a shortage of labor uh, to build homes yeah. to keep them affordable. Sure. So that's what's pushing the innovation and why so many people want so badly for AI to solve all our problems right now. That's an interesting Definitely. problem. I think the more machine bricklayer things, what, what, what is, what's the word for that? I think the more of that <laughs> there is, the more desire for the human interaction on the on the sales side. This is my philosophical moment here. Oh, without without a doubt. <laughs> like it's I mean, kind of like that's, we yeah. actually will they'll want more, more interaction than they did, say, today. If they go to their job site where their home's being built and there's six machines out there laying bricks automated, they want they want to talk to a human. Right. There, there is no question. And that's why if you are an online salesperson listening to this podcast, I promise you I'm still in your corner because the really good online salespeople will be worth even more in the future but where the where the where the mm-hmm. rub is is if you're an okay online salesperson or you don't have the drive to continually improve and to challenge yourself and to to work at it and get better but you're taking what comes mm-hmm. and, or you're not properly communicating or letting everyone else in the organization know the work that you're putting in and how you're getting these magical appointments that fall out of the sky and convert <laughs> you know 30% of the time magic then it can be really <laughs> tempting for an owner or a division president to be like well yeah let's let's give the robot a shot, right? If you're just, if, if you are average, then that, that will become a much more tempting possibility. Yeah, I agree. Man or woman, if you're really good, you will always be in needed in this industry because of exactly what you said. They're going to want the human interaction. I mean, heck, we talked about this before. You used a realtor to sell your own home. Mm-hmm. You didn't need yeah. to, but you did because how often have you sold a home? Zero. And <laughs> I saw that, uh, what, the settlement sheet today. I'm like, oh, uh-huh. okay. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> sure if I, yeah, okay. That makes some money. I mean, yeah. they did a great job. Your house sold. They you did. got above list. Right. But at the end of the day, when you look at that, you're thinking like, what in the world? Mm. Yeah. On both sides. Yeah. It's, I'm like, wow, that adds up to a big number. And yeah, rationally, yeah. it makes no sense. But irrationally, which we know we, yep. we are as human beings, you want that reassurance. You want that human connection. You want to be able to look someone in the eye or pick up the phone and ask a question whenever you want. Yep. And I think too, even for just a quicker, you're, you're getting a lot of that being a quicker response. You just have that open the door to be able to ask. Because I know for me personally, when I, you know, talking to someone, I think of two, three questions off the top of my head that I'm going to eventually want to know. So it's, I definitely agree. I heard this great story that that kind of just a different way to think about it is international buyers were going into the sales model and leaving the door open when they walked in and the salesperson was getting really frustrated. Why are these people so rude? They just leave the door open. <laughs> it's super hot outside. The air conditioning is running and they don't close the door. Yeah. And what this trainer was explaining to people is, no, you don't understand. These folks are about to spend half a million dollars with you and their expectation yep. is that you're going to serve them throughout the entire process, meaning it's rude of you to not welcome them in and close the door behind them. And I Mm -hmm. think it's, we have a similar perspective about online leads still. The majority of ownership and and leadership, which is why this kind of turn in the market is challenging a lot of marketers is because their owners still aren't 100% bought in. And so they see a little 
dip in the numbers and they're like, hey, maybe we should go back to radio. Hey, maybe we should go back to, well, we still have 6,000 people a day going to the website. Well, but I, are they all real? I think maybe they're just looking for decorating ideas. What's going on? <laughs> you know? um, yeah. So I think we still treat online leads like second-class citizens or people who have to prove that they're really looking for a home, just not, not mm -hmm. giving them good service. I believe it. So, yeah. Okay. And then kind of the, the icing on the cake, which is just a tease. We're going to have a, a webinar coming up where we'll release the, our 2018 online sales survey results, where we shop a hundred home building companies, go on their website, ask for information, see what the responses are. We've done this now since 2012, I believe every year. Um, and we'll release the full report here in a couple of weeks, but just a tease, there is one number that doubled its results. Ooh. So again, remember 155% increase in web traffic and 90% increase in lead count in the CRM. And we've increased from 3%, the top 3% of home building companies following up more than two times via email and more than one time via phone call in a 30-day period. Forever, that number has kind of been stuck at 3%. We've blown it out of the water this year, folks. We have doubled it to 6%. Oh man, So amazing. Now, now 6% <laughs> of people are actually following up the way that do you convert would recommend be done uh, and not, not even necessarily but they're hitting a minimum threshold of more than two phone calls and more than three emails in the course of a 30-day period of time wow. uh, to an actual lead on your own website and that's again just really scary when you think about the fact that it's still just six percent that are doing it right consistently mm -hmm. with the fact that we have such an increase in lead volume and again it's not an online salesperson's fault it's not the system's fault it's the collective emphasis that the company is putting on giving this whole process the resources that it needs to be successful. Yeah. It just doesn't work. And that's, again, that's why we have automated answering systems where people are like, shoot, I'll give it a shot because right now I'm only doing it 2% of the time the right way. All right. Wow. Well, little, yeah, we'll hop back in our, our DeLoreans and get back to 2018 now. But um, <laughs> I just thought it was really interesting to look at that at the summit and want to give everyone on the podcast a chance to hear some of those same numbers because... 2015 doesn't seem like that long ago, but a lot has changed. Mm -hmm. An absolute. Really has. Yep. 2015. iPhone. I don't even know which iPhone was at the Two? No, I'm kidding. Which... <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Something. Exactly. <laughs> Sad. Exactly. All right. And um, we don't need to take a break because we didn't have a question of the week last week. So let's just jump right into this week's question of the week, which we said would be, what percentage of your website traffic is from paid social? So ads that you are running on Facebook, Instagram, maybe Twitter, maybe Pinterest. Um, who knows? but what percentage of your website traffic is coming from paid social? And we'll probably turn it into a poll so you don't have to give your exact number. And people are still, I know, always scared to share exact details about their content. Oh, that date, yeah. Oh. Let's, uh, let's, see, let's see where we all land. And to be clear, so that people know going into this, you know, I'm not, I'd have, I have no preconceived notion of what is a good number for you to have coming from paid social. So don't be afraid about saying, you know, it's 30%, it's 5%. At the end of the day, if you're hitting your sales goals, you're getting enough appointments to meet those sales goals. That's, that's mm -hmm. what counts. Um, Andrew, we would recommend though that paid social probably shouldn't be the number one source of traffic to your site. Correct. Right? Yep. <laughs> and, and that's because why? Well, then then you're missing out on all the opportunity of all the other more uh, traffic with more intent. So Google organic, high intent traffic, Google search, high intent, like those should really be you know, one, two, three as far as traffic. I'd say the only yeah. exception is if yeah. you have like a brand new website, like brand new company, yeah, not sure. site, but like brand new company, like it's going to be crazy looking, but then it should settle in somewhere and I'll get to that more mature stage where organic and search is, is top two. All right, Jackie, uh, Andrew kicked off last week's episode. I mean, we're just, we're throwing everything all over the place. Mm -hmm. So take us out this week. <laughs> so for published articles, 
blog posts, videos, and more. Check out doyouconvert.com. It's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, etc. Good job. Is that it? it? I I (laughs) did it. Exactly. Exactly right. So feel free to reach out, connect with us, ask us questions. Hey, you know what? I'm going to put in the show notes this time, guys. What's that? We're going to have a call in line. Oh, that's right. People are going to be able to leave us a voicemail. We can play on the show. That's a good idea. First time caller, first time caller. We could say things like that, like we're a radio show. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Exactly right. So look out for that too. All right, everybody. Have a great rest of your week. We'll see you next time. Bye.